Welcome to the February 8th edition, the first Super Bowl week edition of the PFF Forecast. We have, as we are wont to do, bring in some uh, some cool people to the podcast. So we have Drew Dinsick, who we've talked to before remotely. I've been told he's way better in person, so we'll see if that <laughs> is true. We're going to talk about Super Bowl. We're going to talk about Eric's budding TikTok career as a uh, TikTok better. That and a lot more. Let's rock. Welcome. It's nice to meet you. Yes. You look similar to your, your picture on, you know, it's like sometimes you meet someone you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Photoshop. I, yeah. I just got to say, it's great to meet you guys. Obviously, welcome to Los Angeles. Although I don't really feel like I need to welcome no. you here because you have a tan glow like you have been in I've LA been or been at least in the uh, uh, in the warm confines of the Western U.S. for uh, for the last several weeks. So. Um, I look back. every bit. The Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Eric looks like he has been through an ice storm. It's funny. We're in this room, which, as you guys can see, is like pretty darn big. It's also about as warm as Cincinnati is yeah. right now. Unbelievable. <laughs> I I brought like a few sweatshirts. I even like, and I don't know why why I did. Like, I think maybe my wife like was like, you know, you should take it. I'm like, Steph, you know, it's like warm in LA, and it was, and it's unseasonably warm, right? Yeah. And it's so getting warmer. Like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And people were like, why are you bringing sweatshirts? I was like, I was like, oh, I let Jesus take the wheel with this one or whatever. And I show up and it actually like was worthwhile to do to have sweatshirts here because it's like it's like 55 degrees in here. It feels yeah. like it's not warm. You really have to be juiced up and excited. Yeah, which we are game football to be fair. But we're juiced up and excited and we are fully clothed, which is which is perfect. You know, that's a good point. <laughs> we could have done this poolside. There are, you know, maybe that's what we'll do later in the week. Well, my next TikTok, the late night show. My next TikTok bet is is, be is coming from the pool. It's coming from the pool. Yeah. All right, so you guys better go follow Eric on TikTok because you're gonna want to <laughs> see that shit. Um, let's. So I do want to talk about the game here, but I have one uh, interesting thing that I wanted to get your take on, Drew. Um, we've seen an interesting coaching um, carousel come to a conclusion this week, and. I don't know. Let me say this. As someone that is going to bet a lot of season win totals, I think there are some choices that may point me in a direction one way or the other. What were your big takeaways from these? And are there opportunities that you think we can exploit when win totals come out? Yeah, I mean, uh, the most recent news and uh, something I haven't had a chance to really react to until now. So this is cool. But uh, the decision by the Houston Texans to hire Lovey Smith was a wild one. Um, (laughs) I mean... I thought they did a strange job last year and landing on David Cully and for them to outdo themselves this year in terms of poor decision making is impressive. Do, um, do you think it was like a decision <laughs> like they because like I feel like if you view the Houston Texans as like a mega church, then is that it how like you view them, by the way? makes it so it makes so much more sense. I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm saying it makes more sense. And like, do you think that this was something was this a sin of commission? Or did they just like let the spirit guide them? George, like I feel like when we talked about this last year, it was sort of like they just let the whole offseason happen yeah. to them. And and now this is like, why don't I have you a just theory. retain Cully? Like, I what, have a what, theory. 
Are you ready for my theory? By all means, yes. Okay. So last year, that team was in total disrepair, right? They have a mass exodus of all their talent. Um, Deshaun Watson turns out to be a complete scumbag and they're trying to ship him off and like the entire organization is a disaster. So the David Culley thing was going to be a year and it didn't matter, right? It was like, this is a guy that we know we don't want to keep point blank. Okay. He ends up actually outperforming expectation. So they're kind of in a, in a tough spot, uh, from a PR standpoint, but this year, I think there were two things at play. I think the first thing at play was the league was pissed at them for the way they handled it last year. And I think is pissed at them for some of the things they've done from a, you know, um, like improving equality among races standpoint. Okay, so both those things come into perspective. The Brian Flores thing then happens. And to me, there's one key here that I think makes this make some sense. I think they want, I think there might be a little bit of them now that goes, you know what? Other teams are really interested in Sean Watson. The media has cooled on this a little bit. Do we think now that we could keep him if we bring in someone that he could get, that he could respect and get along with? They decide it can't be Flores because they don't want to deal with that media shit show, you know? And so they go, okay, what's like, what's the next best thing? And they just go, Hey, Lovey Smith. They checked him with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun was like, yeah, I love Lovey Smith. And they hired Lovey Smith. Do you think, do you think that, Oh, go ahead. I, I, I mean, there's, I think there's a simpler explanation, which is that the decision makers there are not capable of running a hiring practice. You think Casario's Casario came from the Patriots? Do you think he's completely inept? Wait, somebody from the Patriots <laughs> not, not being able to <laughs> they hired Joe Judge back walk on their own two feet. The, the, the Patriots are doing what they do with players with coaches. It's like, yeah, he actually sucks yeah. alone, but in our yeah. environment, he's a star. We'll yeah. bring him back. No, this is a lot more Occam's Razor than it is. Okay. There's a there's a layer of Deshaun Watson <laughs> intrigue behind this, I think, um, and it's the it's. The simplest answer, which Imagine, is uh, like, we, I, maybe Cesario didn't even really have final say. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Easterby was really the guy that is like, he, you know, like going back to the mega church example, like he feels like he was guided in this direction, right. you know, to bring Lovey Smith well, and, uh, you know, elevate him within the program. Cause uh, like, let's, let's not make a mistake here. Like Lovey Smith was completely out of his element head coaching the university of illinois. illinois right yes like that was that was his last head coaching stop and that was a disaster and then to bring him in on a, as a defensive coordinator under Coley was a head scratching move last year and then now to elevate him to head coaches it feels extremely temporary i mean we've seen oh so you think you this know, is like another one year thing i it would i would guess wow. yes and I mean the the people who are kind of in the know are like confused because they are like flirted so aggressively with Josh McCown, who mm -hmm. has never had a coaching, you know, who has no right. resume. And I think, you know, maybe like the NF, maybe somebody at the NFL literally like had caught word that the McCown deal was imminent and was like, no, yeah. like you can't do this. You, you know, you have to, you know, change course here. And they were like, okay, well, we'll just elevate somebody then and do this again next year after McCown's got a resume or something like that. I mean, like, you know, you know that they are kind of somewhat stubborn in hiring Cesario in the first place. Like they wanted to do that for like two years. Right. 
and they kept getting blocked and they ultimately are firing, you know, going through guys and Bill O'Brien got the role and responsibilities that he had to destroy the franchise in the first place because <laughs> they couldn't get the guy they wanted True. from New England. So like they're, you know, from the top down, um, ownership doesn't seem to have a very clear grasp of exactly how to run an NFL franchise on top of the fact that the guy in his ear is, a, you know, is a, you know, yeah. a, is a true ne'er-do-well. <laughs> and then on top of all that, uh, um, yeah, this whole hiring process was really, really fraught with mistakes. And uh, I think the Texans are probably they weren't going to win next year anyway. Uh, it didn't matter who they hired. But think this is kind of crystallized. that. Think about how awful they've handled this. Like you have. You've done the tank. You have you have some of the best draft capital left, right? More or less. You have Laramie Tunsil, who somebody's going to trade a first round pick for in all likelihood. You have Deshaun Watson, who either is going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL or going to get you some draft capital. And no one with a pulse wanted that job. Like, how bad have you That's completely rude. bungled this entire thing? I, I'm really interested to see. I, I just view, looking at my crystal ball, oh, next geez, year. Oh, now we're back to the yeah, megachurch. Yeah, thing. exactly. Back to the megachurch. I mean, uh, to your point. There, and I sent you this quote. I think it's from uh, PFT wrote it um, that Easterby and McNair prayed together. Oh no! Over uh, some of the decisions oh, no. they've made, which, so, which there's nothing wrong with that, other than like, other than like using it as a crutch for making terrible decisions. Right. Like, yeah. like, look, their God, their God led them astray because get, guess, guess what? Like Flores was the absolute right choice. Like if you look at the what Flores did yeah. with the Miami Dolphins. Um, they made some very questionable decisions in the draft, I think, in terms of the talent they acquired. And yet, Flores developed those guys into decent playmakers this season as the season went on. I think you saw over the last seven weeks of the season, you know, the last seven weeks where they had that winning streak, they were playing awful competition. And that has to be weighed into the kind of right. the, the calculus for sure. But they had huge contributions of, of, from young linemen, uh, specifically young defensive players who Flores developed and they like mm -hmm. that's what you need if you are the Texans right yeah. now. You don't need someone who's going to bring in some offensive scheme that's going to blow away the league and like shock every shock and all. You need someone who's going to develop young talent because that is your only chance to kind of restock the cupboard with good players. In fairness, Lovey Smith's offensive scheme could shock the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think uh, about this the Dolphins, right? Just to, just to put a bow on this though. The Dolphins like Flores did a much better coaching job than Zach Taylor. Oh, like yeah, yeah. The, like if I you if you agree. change Burrow and and Tua, their spots, the Dolphins might be playing this week. Yeah, like that's you a good know, point. and because the talent there is great. Like they built it up, they 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 tore it down a little bit, they built it back up. The defense has good talent. They they compete. They swept the New England Patriots this year. They 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 were you know and they had their issues obviously and but most of it stemmed at the quarterback position but like down all the way down to just having both having terrible offensive lines those are the same team other than the quarterback yeah. and interestingly like if you look at it one's a nine and eight team and one's a 10 and six team they like they, they tanked the last week but like it's not that different and, and flores was sort of like cast away like he's some schmuck it made no sense let's do this real quick because i i'm curious i, I want to know your favorite and least favorite other than the Texans um, and kind of thinking about this from a win total perspective. Like, does this, does your favorite move the needle in terms of yeah. your opinion versus the markets and, and vice versa? Drew, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, 
favorite, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna actually split this here and say that there are two, there were two very good hires in my opinion, and it started at the GM and then the coach, and it was the Vikings and the Giants. Um, and I will probably regret ever bringing this comparison up because it seems ludicrous right now. But if you squint hard enough and you have terrible eyesight, you can see a, some talent in Daniel Jones that could translate to wow. a Josh Allen type of like, that would require like you to have success. as many drinks as you. <laughs> yes, exactly. One hundred percent. This is influence. Yeah, this is uh, under the influence type of. I wish uh, I could remember thing. the like intercontinental um, rap. So <laughs> but yeah, the like. So Daniel Jones is he ever going to be? You know, I mean, I I did I had very low expectations for Josh Allen in the first place, surely, and I completely am willing to. Um, hold some probability that Daniel Jones is better than we have seen because he has been under Jason Garrett now for two seasons. Mm -hmm. And he really hasn't ever had a, a coordinator or a visionary who can uh, you know, utilize any of his skill set. And a lot of his skill set is similar to Josh Allen, just in terms of raw wow. ability. So the drinks are still yeah. live. <laughs> so, Hair I mean, of the dog that bitch you, I guess. I, I, I think I, physically, so, I think running the ball, you're right. Yeah, I think running the ball, sure. Maybe sure. not quite Oh, as my God. Same, you're, but, the but, drinks sure. are still in his system, too. Ty, were you okay. out with these guys? No, so, that, can, so, like, we're here we're talking about, like, Jesus. we're talking about, like, you come into the Buffalo Bills season two years ago where people had high expectations for this team. Mm. They bring in Stefan Diggs. Dable kind of gets full control of what he wants that offense to be from a vision standpoint. Okay. And Josh Allen magically fixes his accuracy. Yeah. And that entire team took a wild leap step forward. And no one really saw it coming. Am I saying that there is a 50-50 chance that happens with the Giants? No, no chance. It's close to 50-50. But it's definitely bigger than like 10%. Okay. And, you know, and, and Dable, for what it's worth, um, seems to at least have, have gotten a ton of... Um, respect from the players in the locker room you know he has he at least kind of you can see growth and learning in terms of the way that he's running his offense and sequencing and some schemes aspects um so i can i think particularly in a really weak nfc east generally um with draft capital with a you know someone from the bills uh you know kind of mindset who you know can yeah. build a team in that way offense first get some skill position players like it there is enough of a uh of a possibility that it could go positive that i think they're worth at least considering as far as a, a you know like an they nfc also, mike kafka yeah. the mike kafka the oc was patrick mahomes quarterback coach from day one you know mahomes really likes him i've heard now now we've got josh <laughs> daniel jones is josh allen and now he's going to turn into the, patrick le mahomes. the leaky part of this of this analysis is that a quarterback on his fourth year of his rookie deal yeah. is not that is not as advantageous as we believe, right? Because the problem is, is if Daniel Jones has, let's say he has like a, not I won't even say Bortles plus. I think he's better than that. But like, let's say that the the Giants go ten and seven, win the East because everybody else is bad, and Daniel Jones put together a good season. You're kind of screwed if you're the Giants because then you got to give him the fifth year option, which mm -hmm. is expensive, or you have to extend him. And like that, it, it's a tough. It's 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 in that that middle of the pack. That's why you don't draft a first round quarterback to sit him for more than a year because once you get to like this, once you push the starting line back, then 
it's not like it used to be. That fifth-year option is expensive for a first-year quarterback, and like it, it, especially for a top ten pick. And it, it's you're still it's like there's such a false positive rate, right? Sure. We've had that so many times with guys like you know Baker Mayfield last year, for example. What, what do you think the Eric? What do you think the win total, fair win total for them would be right now? Uh, it's gonna be low. It's yeah, six and a half. I was yeah. gonna say six and a half. Would you go over? Yeah, I would. Okay. Um, I, one real quick thing to add. I know that for sure I value player development more than a lot of other people who analyze the space. Okay. And so what and and some of that is because like a lot of the things that I've been surprised by have been like a, a player of all of a sudden developing mm -hmm. into like a real pro. Like holy how how did this happen? Like yeah. like it, and so it, you know from an uncertainty standpoint is there a path where Daniel Jones was stuck under someone who could not develop a quarterback and now is under someone who at least has done it once in his NFL career yeah. with, you know, Dable and Yo, Allen. Like, it's not crazy. And it's a good point, right? You're looking for things where the distribution is wider and you can get, you know, a, a swap. I mean, even if you have a bigger chance of it going under, you'll take that, you know, bigger chance of it potentially going way over, right? Because um, yeah. of that new nuance. Uh, Eric, your favorite hire. I've waffled back and forth on this, but I'm actually I am going to go back to the taste board. of Belgium. Okay, stop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my my discussion of the Bortles. I'm gonna go with Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. I, it, he gets he gets a fair amount of like praise from everybody that's in that Green Bay locker room. I do think again, like I'm a big time uh, Matt Lafleur fan. Like I think Matt Lafleur adds value. But then you you sort of see at the end of the season where maybe it's not a maybe it is less than what I think because when Rodgers melts down then that team loses in the playoffs and now before three straight years of thirteen wins but not ever do going the next step. Right. Hackett gets a lot of credit. I do think he should because Rodgers was like teetering on like the precipice of not having that starting job anymore, and you know he's made him an MVP for consecutive seasons, um, and you know. He's probably the reason, like, you know, Rodgers is favored to go there. There's a humongous amount of talent on that team. Um, and and they can start over a quarterback, which I think is a maybe a better thing than sort of, like, going in halfway. Um, it, it's that one. I think Minnesota's also did a good job. I also agree with you that I think the Giants have done a good job. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So I'll ask you the same question. What would you make the win total for the – Broncos right now. Ooh man, and this is a tough one. Yeah, of the Rogers thing. It's a tough one because the Rogers thing, and it's a tough one because, as you guys know very well, like the AFC is yeah utterly stacked, and um, that I believe the AFC West is going to have really really tough schedules next year. Um, I can't remember exactly who they line up against, but I remember thinking AFC North was going to have easy schedules. AFC West was going to have tough ones. Um, the uh, Broncos are going to be in the eight and a half ballpark, they're going to set it right around 500 and they're going to, if Rogers goes, that'll be 10 and a half. And if 10 it's 10 and a half, and if it's not Rogers, it'll go down to six and a half. You think so? Yeah. I, you know, eight and a half this year with Bridgewater. Yeah. Can I say this? We're sort of splitting the difference. I would rather bet over six and a half without Rogers <laughs> than over. And at 10 and a half, I'm not sure I agree with you. I think it might be more like 11 and a half. No way. With Rodgers. With Rodgers, wow. and here's why. Because I think if he gets Rodgers, I think they're bringing Adams too. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I right. want the Chiefs to sign that. 
<laughs> well, of course you do. Hey, no, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if you know this, Drew, but the, the Rams and the, the Bengals are playing the Super Bowl for most of us here. For Eric, this is actually just Chiefs Media Center. <laughs> I just did it. Uh, uh, so so my favorite, my favorite uh, uh, is Hackett as okay. well. And um, all the reasons that, that Eric just cited, but there's – you don't with a lot of these coaches especially ones that are assistant coaches you just don't know from a leadership standpoint you don't know what the kind of buy-in is from the players and say what you want to say about aaron Rodgers, but like if that guy goes to bat for an offensive coordinator you know that he's had for two years like that should say something about that guy's disposition i'm also this guy so you you value player development i watch the press conferences and i go like okay what am i gleaning Nathaniel Hackett gets it from a human standpoint. And as a head coach, that fucking matters, like really matters. So um, I I think I will end up again this year betting the over on the Broncos for that reason. So so here's a question I have, because let's circle around this because this is a betting show. What Aaron Rodgers to Denver, Carr stays in in Las Vegas, Mahomes uh, and Herbert. What are the what are the odds? What What would you put the percentages? For the AFC West. Okay. Uh, you're going to get uh, KC plus 125. Um, you're going to have LA. Uh, you're going to have uh, Broncos um, like plus two, plus 180, plus 200 ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, LA is going to be in like the plus 360, plus 400 range. And sh- the Raiders are going to be about like plus nine to one. Yeah. To yeah. Nine, yeah. Maybe 10 to one. Yeah. 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 How, so what's my, what's my uh, hold there? It's yeah, I'm bad. curious. It's I actually bad. think it's pretty I, it's good. good. I, I have to. I'll, I'll calculate it right here. But like the the, it's it's so funny to me because I've been somebody who's just like I, I I've been somebody who's like found great joy in the Chargers just melting down all the time. But this would be another example of like the Chargers just like the universe just like like frowning at them, yes. right? Because now they're like plus three sixty in a division, and you can make a case that they have the division's best quarterback. You could, yeah. Like I, I'm not going to agree with it, but you could. Herbert's that talented. Also, I'll say this: if those are if those are the odds you're putting, and I'm not going to do the math in my head, but I think the most appetizing one to me there is the Chargers. Sure. Now, the, I'm saying that along with like probably every human on earth, because like everyone just loves to bet the Chargers. To quote Eric, it's the hipster pick every single year. <laughs> yes. um, but I think it's I like good. the Chargers before everybody else did. But if you think about if you think about the narratives around like continuity and stuff. Like the interesting thing is that the Chargers may have the most continuity from a team perspective in that division. Um, You know, thinking about their coaches, thinking about their their weapons where you could have, you know, in Kansas City, for example, you have Kafka leaving. Who the hell knows what's happening with like Hill or they bringing in another wide receiver? Um, You go look at the Broncos, obviously a ton of turnover there and like, you know, you have a new coach. So I think that is interesting. We have to give Drew a lot of love here because he has 19% hold on that. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's not bad for a futures market. Well done. Not a bad bad hold for a futures market. Okay, let's uh, let's we'll just we'll circuit it and we'll 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 rein in a couple of these here and and get you down to like 10%. I will say this that you guys both mentioned Minnesota. Yeah. I think I'm going to end up betting the over on Minnesota over, too. Over on them? Okay, yeah. That's that's the easier case for me to make for a win total over because obviously you – well, I mean, I shouldn't say obviously, but you at least have more – a better understanding or implied – um, you know, stability at the quarterback yeah. position, which matters a ton. Like, well, you know, well that's, that's where I come – I, I have a question because – so 
A, what would you put the odds that they continue with Cousins? Yeah. And B, because I, I have a theory about the Cousins thing, as George knows. Yeah. Weird. Keep Cousins or not keep Cousins. And then win total with or without Cousins. Because obviously, yeah. I don't know if there's a path for them to do, like, worse than Cousins. You know, like, yeah, but still have a franchise-ish quarterback. Like, they're not going in because they don't have the cap. Like, if they get rid of Cousins, it's a draft and develop situation yep. and tank yeah. situation. And so it, it is very much like it's not it's not like, um, you know, think about Tampa Bay where they're like Brady or and like right. I think Tampa's actually going to get a real quarterback this year. I don't think the Vikings get a real quarterback if they get rid of Cousins. No, I, I would agree with that 100 percent. And I, so you think, I, they're keeping him? I think they're keeping him. Same. And I my my. And now, you know, my this is not an informed take. Like, I don't know anyone in the Vikings, and I don't really have a good sense of like what their vision, long term vision is. Um, but a four year contract doesn't really give you a lot We're of talking latitude. about Quasi's yeah. contract, yeah. Four year contract, but I, I thought that was a brilliant hire. I'm very excited to see what he does with that role, you know, with that, you know, in that role. Um, but uh, four year puts him under a little bit of a gun to, um, you know, to, to yep. show improvement quickly. And I think if you're, if you are him sitting down and reviewing what happened, you know, autopsy of the 2021 season, you probably walk away from that thinking like, man, they were actually kind of close. Like, and their quarterback play was yeah, good. Like their the quarterback strength of play their was team good. was yeah. the fact that Cousins could throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. Right. You and just, it, you come away with the autopsy and you say like three things. We have a bona fide superstar in Justin Jefferson. Yep. Uh, Kirk Cousins can do what we need him to do to win games. Uh, if we upgrade the system and I think you look at a lot of those games where the margins were narrow and you're like man if you just bring in somebody who has a plus EV vision from a like Offensive how you yeah. in-game decision making scheme like just philosophy like you like that alone could have accounted for a bunch of uh, coin flips that went against them and I mean what they did they lose their first three games and mm -hmm. all three of them were like imminently winnable yep like um surely the the you know cook yeah, cook cook didn't fumble i didn't think and then they had a missed 37 they had to miss yarder 30, against yep. arizona they missed the field goal then they had a they had a one score loss in week four against cleveland i mean yeah they was, every yeah, game that right. they had was one score this year except for seattle in week three packers in we Packers when they started Mannion, and then actually their final game was a, was they, they won by two scores. Every other game was one score, but they were kind of five hundred in the one score game. Yeah, like Cousins had games like they had the Detroit game where they gave up the lead, and then Cousins came back and got them in position for a field goal. So they they won a lot of close games and they lost lost a lot of close games. And I do agree with you in the sense of, you know, what, this is silly, but like, you know, the the way to get the way to you have to play football and, and entice variance when you're the better team in some side in in that way you want to play multiple score games when you're the good team right and like i do feel like the vikings had the quarterback advantage in a lot of games and decided just to play the the, the, the very nature of their games played them close and that's how you lose to cooper rush it wasn't cousin's fault that they lost to cooper rush it was their way to it was it was how they play football and then variance right like and that was this story. So I agree if they have a plus EV approach to football, they might get out. You're right. They might get out of that basin and win. Let's say they win 11 games and eight of them are by more than one score. That's how the Chiefs did it with Alex Smith. Alex yeah. Smith is no better than Cousins, and he's no better at the end of the game. And Andy Reid's a donkey at the end of games. But they had something like a 70% record with in the Alex Smith era in multiple score games. That's how you do it. You, you leave less to chance. But, you know, I – 
my my theory is with four years on Kwesi and and Kevin O'Connell's contract, they have they have to extend Cousins. They can't go with him with forty five right. mil. And so you're basically saying you're basically making a bet if you're Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell that f- of my four years, three of them are cousins. And like I wonder that that's my negative side of this whole thing and saying I, I agree. But here's the interesting thing, and this is how I'll turn it into the Super Bowl here, because Kevin O'Connell is the offense coordinator in the Super Bowl. What the Rams are doing right now, which is going to the Super Bowl, is in many people's mind going to ratify their strategy as being a solid strategy to employ going forward. This is a great topic, by the way. Now, if I'm Kevin O'Connell and I'm Quezzy, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to look at Kirk Cousins and go, wait, was Kirk Cousins any worse than Matt Stafford was in Detroit? And I think the answer is no. No. And you go, okay, well, Kevin O'Connell, like what, what is it that you know how to do? And you look at the Rams and you go, oh, it's create wide open spaces for a guy that can line up in the slot or out wide. Yeah. Like, would you rather have Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup? I love Cooper Cup. I'm taking Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Like that guy is a special talent. You look at the players there. They don't have the same superstars that L.A. has. They don't have Donald. They don't have Ramsey. But they're not bereft of really good players either. And so, with Rodgers potentially going out of the division, yeah. I am I am leaning towards that is the tact that they're taking. And yeah. if you're looking at the Rams going to the Super Bowl in a year where, like, shit hit the fan from an overall NFL perspective, and maybe to Eric's <laughs> point, like, yeah. that was the best read on the Rams' part. Why not Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, and Quezzy? Because the path, to your point, in four years to success, if you go, hey, you have four years, would you rather start it off knowing you have Cousins for three or taking a complete crapshoot in a quarterback draft that isn't great? Yeah, I have two quick things to add to that because I completely agree with you. The fact that this year's quarterback class is awful matters. Um, I think the fact that like it's so bad that and there are 12 teams in the NFL that would all like to upgrade their quarterback which means that like Cousins even with his gross contract is an asset right like you are potentially taking calls from teams if you if you, tr- you trade him yeah. you'll get something you, you, yeah. yeah he's an, he's an asset and so i don't and i also think that like i mean if you had told me that Jared Goff was tradable considering what he was signed mm-hmm. for yep I would have laughed at your it laughed yeah, in your yeah, face. Yeah. Like there is n- no way. And so if you do a deal, if you extend cousins, and if you you, I think you can make it team friendly enough that even if this year turns out to be a, we're never going to get there with cousins. Mm-hmm. I think he's still an asset next off season, and you could potentially either do what the Rams did and try yeah. to flip him and upgrade in some way by giving up future assets, or you you know you dump everything next off season and you try to reload and move up in the draft and you you take one of the good guys that's coming out next year because next year's quarterback uh class is quite good what about a what about a just popped in my head what about a cousins russell wilson deal is that i don't mind so here's that to be had somewhere uh, yeah i i don't my issue is is like like so the rams are are there's 13 players on both of these teams that have more than like 0.28 war right so Mm -hmm. like a, a very good starter right and Xavier Woods is one of them, actually. He's a free agent, and they don't have money. And and after that, it's it's Harrison Smith, who's older, Justin Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins. Every every other player is a Ram. But that's because you know, like, but that's that's because Daniel Hunter was hurt. Daniel Hunter, yeah. But like 
and the line and, and Eric, Hendr- was Eric Hendricks had good, yeah. Eric Hendricks had a a declining year. Um, the corner position's rough. I mean, and again, this is this is one of those where this is where I give the I take a step back and I was I was you know skeptical of the Rams, but I'll give them a ton of credit. The Rams the Rams have found players in the draft. And those play, they've developed them. Like Jordan Fuller's a player. Yep. Uh, you know the yeah was it Gaines uh, Chris, like Gaines yeah. or Nose Tackle's a player. Yeah. Uh, like Darius the, Williams, the other cover corners. Yeah. The Vikings. It's gonna be exposed against T Higgins, but like. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like the Vikings had Jefferson, which is wonderful. Cam Dantzler or not Cam Dantzler. Cam Dantzler's okay. Like. Jeff Gladney's their first round pick two years ago. He's gone. Yeah, they glaringly do yeah. not have Jalen like, Ramsey on their team. Like I, I will give them that. Or the assets. Like I, I think they also play in a dramatically worse yeah. division. True. I will say. I mean that. that that's what makes it hard, right? Because if they were in the AFC West, this decision is trivial, is it not? Because yeah. in the AFC West, Cousins cannot compete, and and you are a, yeah. a ways away. Yeah. To me, I actually, I actually don't mind the decision just to play out Cousins' contract. The only issue is you don't get any assets from him, and I do think like if you extend him, the problem is Cousins has always Cousins has been the best finesser in like that's where he's first team all all finesse, <laughs> right? Where like you are not getting a great deal with Cousins. The the the, the catch twenty two team all finesse. Who else is on that team? <laughs> uh, Ooh, well, man. Bradford and other Vikings. Bradford. The, the, the no. problem with Cousins is, and th- this is what makes it so hard for Minnesota, is he actually has played above expectations since they signed him, I think. right The, 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 the decision to sign him was made that much m- more uh, bad because like he, uh, he exceeded expectations, but the team around him predictably crumbled. And so if you go to him and say, look, Kirk, we're going we're gonna to ask you to take less, what is he going to say? He's like, look, I've just had like three straight good years. Like, what are you? So you're not even coming. Might down. have to pray with him a little bit. Yeah, you could go to Houston. The, <laughs> you're not going that much further down from 45. You're maybe getting down to 35. There's not a ton of relief that you. Well, I mean, I think that you you sit him down in a room and you go, look, you've had these good, this good of a set of years, and look at our record. Why is that? And you go, okay, well, we don't have we don't have the the other players on the team. You go, okay, well, here's how we can do that. Do you want do you want to be the guy that puts up stats and is Eric Eager's first team all finesse, or do you want to try and win some football games? And you might, from a guy that's already made a crap ton of money and presumably all he spends it on are steaks that he overcooks, like would he just be like, yeah, I'm in to try and make this the real thing? Because to the point, and like I think you know that the t- talk all off season. If the Bengals win, it might be different. But the Rams win and they're favored. It's going to be: do teams try and repeat well, and and do what the Rams have there done? Are three, if the Rams win, there are three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that have won a Super Bowl with the with a team in their first year on the team. So no rookies have ever done it. The the one is an out, one is Trent Dilfer. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. The other one is Tom Brady. Next one is Matthew Stafford. Like you are like it's sort of why and then Kirk I, Cousins. <laughs> what a list that's going to be. Like to me, to me, it's it's one of those where the PF, like uh, what we've preached, right? Which is like basically do what the Bengals do: tank, draft the quarterback high, build your secondary really flat. You know, get a pass rusher. Like that's the way. Like the the Rams are sort of spit in that thing's face, and like they might win the. They're probably going to win the Super Bowl. Like Drew wants them to, of course. <laughs> and. The, Ra- uh, the Rams journey I've been on this yeah. season has been a roller coaster because yeah. I was so, so out on the Rams in, on, in, uh-huh. in August. Like, uh, yeah. but like, uh, you know, 
the reason, and again, like, I kind I like the Bucks. I like the Browns, and a lot of the reason I liked those teams in the preseason was because they had like they they looked resilient to injuries, Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, these teams are so talented and so deep. Like, even if things go sideways, you know, like they still have guys who can step up and make you know and, and fill the gaps. And I was like, in the Rams, like this is stars and scrubs. Like one thing goes wrong, and like it's all, yeah. it's all a lot. It, it turns and out nothing that, went wrong. It turns out they're <laughs> yeah. very resilient to injuries. Yeah. <laughs> turns out they're very. Yeah. Turns out everyone's healthy, even uh, except for the kicker. So, apparently. so does that? And this is because I, I think this is a really interesting question. Like, is it is it okay to say their strategy was sound, or that it's they got a little lucky and like I wouldn't don't try this at home kind of thing? <laughs> well, I think I think. So the yeah. question is, is if more teams do this, are we going to have fewer great teams? Because I think that that's the point. Like they, they, this year stood out because they they took advantage of a of a team of a league where a. It's also we talked about this a number of times. I want to get Drew's opinion on this. Brady had sixteen game schedules, two game playoffs. He got the buy every year. Sure. Now it's seventeen games, and and you're and because there's only one buy, you're grinding it out to week eighteen. In most cases, like yeah. the Tennessee Titans were grinding out against Houston yeah. just to keep the Chiefs from having that one buy. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd be a lot less likely to you know now. And you know, it's my theory that's why Brady retired, which is like I used to just have to play eighteen games to get the Super Bowl. Now it's twenty. Like forget this nonsense. I'm out. You know. Will would going all in and like just praying for health because that's ultimately how the Rams outlasted Tampa. They were healthier and and ultimately better, um, and that's why you know San Francisco the same way. San Francisco banged up in that game. Yeah, I think I think you're we're coming back to like a stupid cliche, which is super correct. Which is it always takes luck to get to this point, and yeah. I think for sure the Rams even at full strength effectively getting a the best you could have hoped out of Stafford effectively um they still needed the niners to beat the cowboys well you actually go back to week 18 they needed the the um the seahawks to beat the cardinals yes. to give them a home they needed game. detroit to beat the cardinals they like, needed a detroit to beat the Car- <laughs> like like so many things had to break right for them to win the to be to be the four seed and even then like they were i always thought they were a very good matchup for tampa bay because of sort of strengths versus weaknesses and i think that bared that that you know bared out um, I feel like if the Cowboys beat the Niners and you send Stafford and company to Green Bay, like, I don't know that that team is tough enough to get a win the way that the Niners did in that spot. And yeah, the Niners limped their way into SoFi, seventh road game in nine. And like, even then it took, um, you know, a, a pretty miraculous comeback for them to get here. So it's like, there will be people who talk themselves into this approach because it may ultimately succeed for the Rams this year and completely ignore the fact that it was like a wild streak of luck that got them to this point. And like, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and say that they beat the Bengals, but like, are people going to put an asterisk on that and be like, "What well, you beat Joe Burrow in his first ever Super Bowl with a like, deep, with, an o, with an O line that had no That's interior pass protection?" That's I don't like, I don't think like, anybody. No one's going to do that. No, no one's going to do and that. No, nor should but, they. But let me right? ask like, you this: yeah. If they lose, it's yeah. yeah, yeah Chris yeah. was saying this on the show. We were on the podcast uh-huh. with Chris, and he goes, "Because I asked him, because it's actually a good question, because Marino in the '80s, right? Oh, he's getting back there. Well, your guy Montana was just like, nope." <laughs> you know, and then it was, and then it was Manning, and that Brady's like, nope, yeah. and and you you have all these sort of like, 
you know, the, these transcendent guys who sort of snipe away Super Bowls. And the same thing with Mahomes. Like, Mahomes has got the one. Who knows if he's ever going to get back? You know, you have all – and so for Burrow, it's like everybody's like, oh, they got $58 million in cap space. Yeah. He's great. This is a great team. They can patch it up. It's like, your coach is Zach Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Like, you got to chill out. You got you probably want to win this one. And, <laughs> but at the same time – If you think that <laughs> this very well could be Joe yeah. Burrow's only Super Bowl. Yes. Game. Thank the you. The AFC – is a nightmare, yeah. and that's the only reason with the Rams. If the Rams were in the AFC and they lost this, I'd be like, "That's, that, that's a great <laughs> you, point." You want to re- this was the strategy that you want to take yeah. because, like, you got there and you still couldn't win, and now you're in hell. The difference is that who the hell is left in the and, NFC? And see, this is where it's is it too late now to say sorry to the Rams again by me because not only did they <laughs> finesse this year is like there's no good teams in the NFL, but now you look in the future, yeah. there's no good teams in the conference. <laughs> like what? And and that might be like that might be them like galaxy braining everybody and somehow lucking into the situation where they're carrying a huge pot of. But yeah, they to me they have like it's. They got to win. If this they game. lose, they it's going to be hard, man. It's they like, got to win this yeah, game. Yeah. So okay, so let's transition <laughs> to this game a little bit because I do. It's really interesting, right? The narr- Cincinnati feel Cincinnati's already won. Their season is a success already. For the Rams, it is not. In fact, it could be deemed like, oh my God, you lost to a team that had a that was picked yeah. last in their division at home, at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like. Sure. Are you serious? And and to your point, like all of a sudden, then people will say, "Wow, they got lucky," you know, getting here, getting there, like all those things. Is that a part of your handicap, Drew? At looking at the spread, four and a half right now, you know, the way that the teams have played mathematically versus on the scoreboard necessarily at the end of the game. How are you handicapping it? What are some of the keys to like why you're on one side or the other? Yeah, I um, so I have you know full disclosure i have like a lot of reasons to cheer for the rams to win this game and not a lot to cheer for them to yeah, win let's, by let's more re- than four recap that. Yeah. like i really i, I really don't care. Us. Read I really us the don't menu care. here drew, the, drew uh, is in the in the yeah. uh, in the bet the process yeah. calcutta yes. which okay. uh has a pretty enorm- pretty big pot if the rams win yeah. and going for, to you. for the uh, first off calcuttas are fucking awesome yes tell the people how it works it's more um, common among college basketball for March yes. Madness, it's, first of it's all. It's incredible. Um, Rufus and Jeff started doing this last year for the NFL, for golf majors, for for uh, you know, for college basketball, and it's extremely fun. You effectively put together what you, you believe to be a fair price on a given team in terms of percent of what will be the future pot, and the pot is determined not by the players a priori. You bid on each team and uh, effectively, like the pot is a dynamic, exp- you know, dynamic growth as you go through the auction, right? Yeah. It's all it's the total yeah. amount of dollars auction, right? And there's two there's two strategies. Effectively, almost if you're playing with friends, you almost certainly just you bid early. You want an early team because as you get deeper into the Calcutta, um, everybody has a reasonable expectation what the pot is, and they are going to make sure that there's not a plus EV bet made Mm -hmm. um so you're almost everybody that takes a second half of the pot you know the the calcutta team is paying the tax like they're putting more up than they're actually worth yeah right and so you're you're just you're defending your position you're trying to juice the pot after you've kind of staked your your territory and um ended up with uh the rams and were they uh, were they your first 
that was my yeah i went in so okay they, we have um you, you get three and a half percent of the pot for a for the first round win you get six and a half for the second round win 10 percent for a championship win 13 percent for the super bowl and the rest of the pot is split up into these side pots for accomplishing other things, right? Which is one of the best parts of the cup. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in yeah, like college sure. basketball, yeah. it's like, you know, who gets blown out the blown most out those, gets a yeah, certain yeah. amount. So you like need, you need some incentive for somebody yeah. to walk up there and be Gardner like, Webb. I'm bidding on the 16 seed <laughs> Gardner Webb. Let's go. Let's get these guys. Um, so they yeah, suck. But, yeah, putting together the side pots is a lot of fun. And I went into the Calcutta with a expectation that the Rams had a decent chance at scooping a bunch of those because they're a little bit of a weird team in terms of the turnovers in terms of like blowouts and losses etc so I was kind of, I kind of thought they had a decent chance at scooping a bunch of those pots so my expectation was higher than a lot of everybody else's in the uh, in the group and I ended up with them even though like I've been noted Rams hater for the every week of the season and leading, up the to, leading up to that <laughs> yeah. that moment yeah. Eric the president um, of the finesse club and yeah. the Rams haters yes Rams yeah. so I went from uh I went from uh, Ramsplaining to uh, Ramley in the matter of a moment, wow. and uh, it was very lucky. You're, honestly, you're, you've, you've, yeah. you're rambunctious, rambunctious about the team. Okay, yeah. so um, so with that in mind, yeah, are you feeling good about your position? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, I have basically sixty-five percent expectation of thirteen percent of the pot, which mm -hmm. is something like uh, mid five figures. Nice. Yeah. So I'm very, uh, you know, I, I can take it off the table at this point and walk away. I'm already well in the, in the black, yeah. um, for the whole experience. And so are you, are you actively hedging with some bangles? I haven't yet. And okay. I've been trying, we talked a lot about mm. like how to go about that last night. Like what's the right avenue okay. to do that. Um, and realistically the, you know, Burrow MVP, I think yeah, we yeah, kind yeah. of settled on like, that's the right angle of attack because the more you know, so than in the spread. universe, more so than the spread because number one, I don't think the spread is plus EV. I don't okay. think that I don't think taking four, four and a half is getting you that much expected value. And in fact, if you look at sort of the way that a game state can play out, I see long tail Rams blowout. Oh, yeah. more yes. so than i see so you know, so the middle is not attractive to the middle is not middle is not really attractive to me it's more of just like a hey cover bases here do you and, think that um, that's true about nfl games in general now too like uh, was that was that your tweet like we're, no it was, i think it was adam chernoff who basically was saying like you know this whole trope about and you you were we were dunking on those people last year who said okay i'm gonna bet uh bucks money line yeah, sure. and then kansas city minus three because whoever wins the game is going to cover the spread anyway yeah, yeah. And it was just like, well, actually, like it's perfectly priced here. Yeah. But there were also the money line. Those people are no longer alive <laughs> to speak about it. Actually, the money line, the money line in, in playoff games though is differently correlated with the spread, right? Because yes. of how these games play out. And yes. and this is this is the lowest total in a Super Bowl since well, Philly Philly uh, Philly versus New England was also forty and a half. It's the lowest total in a while. But even then, a forty and a half total in the NFL, especially this year, pretty high and like that means the points are worth less and like i think to your point like the long tail i do i do think it's one of those things where if the rams win it's going to be definitive and I think. and burrow uh, mvp is is he five to two what is yeah, it it's, it's plus 225 plus 225, plus 225. Yeah. okay but you're, you're and then and there is less of a chance that burrow doesn't win MVP than Stafford doesn't win MVP, right. and I don't think it's close. Especially because Burrow, Burrow's got the what he will do, what he enters the game with is this belief that he does the things to win. So like even if his stats are ugly, yeah, it's, right, he is going to do the things to win the game for them, right, in a gritty fashion. Sure, sure. And to your point, we were talking about before the podcast. 
number of people here that can name a non-Joe Burrow Bengals player, like even as good as Jamar Chase is, it's not that many people. <laughs> um, and like once you get past Jamar Chase, it's like zero. So um, I think that's interesting. And we were talking about, um, you know, some of the MVP bets as well, like instead of betting, you know, a money line. And so take your like take us through the Rams side of that. Like as you think about, okay, I have this conviction around the Rams, you know, and say four and a half being, you know, not something that you think is um, is valuable there. Like, how would you think about the MVP? Yeah. Um, so again, kind of like the basic handicap of this game to me, and I think a lot of people will, you know, will, will look at the obvious, which is, oh my God, this defensive line is so good, and the offensive line for the Bengals is garbage, like. Burrow's going to get sacked a dozen times and Aaron Donald could win MVP and I'm going to go, you know, run and bet that. Um, I think that price for Aaron Donald MVP is ludicrous. It's stupid. There's the idea that um, the third most likely player for the Rams to win this MVP is Donald is crazy to me. Really? Crazy to me. And um, who do you think it should be? uh, Probably Akers, maybe. I mean, it's, really? Yeah, pro, pro, it's so probably. Acres looks like what is, he's, how many sacks does Donald need to win MVP? Is I think the uh, good question, right? Three and three. And he's only had. Uh, we yeah. talked about last night. Okay. He hasn't had two or more in a game. He's had two or more three. in a game once. Three, if it's only sacks. Yeah. But a sack fumble. Well, that return. was what Von Miller had in the in the. Now let me you know. let me just say this. Aaron Donald is the best, what did you say, best player in the NFL? Yes. But he's clearly the best defensive lineman, best pass rusher out there. Yes. He is facing perhaps the worst pass-protecting set of guards. And in Hakeem Adeniji's space, the 81st of 82 graded guards on the planet Earth. Yeah. So, like... I mean, there's, like, an an approach, though, in general. I mean, yeah, it's got to matter. Um... And I think it changes the way that the Bengals probably come up with their game plan. Obviously, like when they, have the like, Bengals had a game plan? This well, this is exciting. Is this yeah, going to happen? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I looked at you know they beat the they beat the Titans somehow, some way, uh, conceding nine sacks. Yeah, exactly. And the game plan yeah, was because, Joe. Please, God, help yeah, us. Yeah, Joe, do anything at all. Kicker, make your field goals that are very difficult. And oh, by the way, we need the opposing quarterback to give us three easy, you know, three gifts. Yeah. I mean, that was the best thing that a Joseph has overcome since the Immaculate Conception. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a very impressive win by him, and uh, on the road as well against the one. I, I feel like um, the world but, is going to get give this Joseph a lot more credit than the last one. You think yeah. so? That's yeah. a fair. Point. I mean, he deserves <laughs> it. That's a fair point. Um, um, but no, like fundamentally, the. Um, the likelihood that the Bengals run, you know, get the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker, more screens. Um, you know, they're going to do their sort of standard waist downs with mixing into a cloud of dust type of stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a little bit of a blueprint around the league about how you deal with Donald. Like, you put three hats on him, right? And like, yeah, that gives up space to other guys to do things. And the Rams have been making that. So, work do you like Vaughn Miller but, as like a long um, shot then? That's not crazy. Yeah, but I, like ultimately. Like the Rams winning this game defensively, I have a tough time seeing that. Hmm. Um, you know the the um, yeah the way that the max the machinations aren't there. The defensive player wins this award when you have like a clear 
you know, everybody's expectations coming into the game is this defense is incredible. Yeah. But they're going up against a really, really good offense. Mm. Good luck to them. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, they won with defense. Yeah. Well, little, I, now I have to acknowledge that. Yeah, little Raiders right? box from days of old. The one that, the one yeah. that it and, reminds uh, me yeah. of is when Ray Lewis won the MVP. When Ray Lewis, like that was the one where everybody went into the game expecting the defense and then it, it came to fruition completely. Whereas what you're describing is everybody coming into this game believing Donald is the man. I don't know if he's going to be able to over, like he's not going to meet expectations. Okay, Can, let me push back on this a little bit. So I have more faith in the Rams scheming Donald pass rushes than I do Zach Taylor scheming a way to stop Donald. In other words, I expect Aaron Donald. And let me back this up a little bit. Okay, there is a. There is a vibe with Aaron Donald that is important here. There's a history that's important. This guy has been the best player in the league on a shitty-ass team here for a long time. He is the Rams, okay? And there, I think there is going to be special effort made where he has put up with triple teams over and over and over again. No one works harder than Aaron Donald. He is going to be rushing off the edge. They are going to give him stunts. They are going to line him up at linebacker and blitz him through the A-gap. Like They are going to do stuff with Aaron Donald in this game in a much more creative way, in my opinion, than I would expect Zach Taylor to look to counterbalance that. I mean, I hope you're right. <laughs> and then when that happens, it's it's like the Stafford thing, where there there is a this story is great. Like Chris and Al are going to talk about Aaron Donald and how incredible it is that he is leading this team to the Super Bowl now. Yeah. I know I'm making the kind of a crazy, but I think it's as strong as the Matt Stafford finally is winning after you know being destitute in Detroit. Like I, th- the the Aaron Donald narrative is strong. Okay, so I that's a, that's all that is fair. I still worry a little bit that um, he has kind of settled too much into his role at times of I'll just be the guy that eats three blockers and you guys get the glory. Like he's selfless in that way in a lot of respects, and I won't be blown away if. We look up in the fourth quarter and it's kind of a lot like the Niners game. And you're just like, man, where's Donald been? Like mm-hmm. he just, you know, like he's doing something on every down that's super important for the team overall, but you don't necessarily notice it. Um, and again, like we lived through a Rams Patriots Super Bowl that had some of the worst offensive performances we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. True. And yet it still went to an offensive player because he accumulated enough stats. And I feel like even in a game where the Rams defense holds the Bengals to three points. Aaron Donald gets a couple sacks. Overall, the defense has nine sacks. But Cooper Cup still has 10 receptions for 140 yards. He's probably getting it over, uh, you know, over Donald. And maybe even Stafford gets consideration outside of the fact that he probably will have turnovers in this game considering the style of defense he's going up against. This uh, uh, player in the NFL named Aaron being selfless. <laughs> First time for everything. Okay, oh, let's let's close out with uh, some props. Um, Eric, as I mentioned, has been on TikTok delivering the goods for mm. the twelve-year-olds out there. Although what's interesting about TikTok is that the age distribution, although it's funny and cliche to say it's a bunch of eight-year-old girls betting Super Bowl props, it's actually a lot of older people on a bunch TikTok. Of thirsty, a bunch yeah. of thirsty dudes. Exactly. <laughs> So, 
Oh god! Speaking of thirsty quench, dudes, quench you, them, you two at the, the bar last night would qualify as that. Um, so let's talk some player player props here. Um, Drew, what are where is your head at as far as player props? Uh, okay, so um, I will caveat a lot of this with um, if you don't do it during the regular season, like why are you doing it now for a lot of this stuff? Uh, I feel like if you're not actively handicapping player props for you know, just grinding it out through the regular season. And you're now just kind of dusting off like, Hey, I had built this model for projecting this thing mm. for last year's Super Bowl. Let's tune it up and try it for this year. Um, like you're already at a disadvantage to a degree. Um, so for that reason, I tend to take it a little easier on player props. Cause I respect that there are market makers who have a much stronger opinion and better mm. tools, better infrastructure than I do. Um, and I guess the other thing I would kind of mention surely there are there still are ways to attack this um even though like i do feel like this year the prop market has been tighter than normal um there used to be free stuff like five years ago where like a guy who was like boomer bust like tyler like boyd right mm -hmm. boyd is kind of feast famine in terms of statistical performance yeah. right and so you look at like his average receiving yards and it's like 55 a game or something right but then his total is like under 40 for this game. And that's be correct because it should be skewed low because he has plenty of games where he's just not showing right. up on the set sheet. It's not symmetric. It's not symmetric, right? Yeah. There's It's a bias. You want to be centered on the median, not the mean. Back in the day, there used to be lots and lots of stuff where it was mean. And you could just blindly just grab unders on Go Boomer, pick it off. Feast yeah. or Famine guys. And it ha hasn't been like that this year at all. Um, I will... I do think there are ways to attack the player prop market where you're getting a more resilient angle of attack like you're not betting something that depends on the game happening a certain way mm -hmm. that's almost certainly like where a lot of people do go about creating player prop positions and it's wildly like minus ev to be like well i think this will happen therefore this yeah. is a good prop right. like that type of stuff is like that's easy to get you in trouble I well, think you, you might as yeah. well just bet a significant amount <laughs> yeah, on right. the side. Yeah, well, if you like that, then, if you think yeah. that's going to happen, then bet that. Right. We were talking about this yeah. last night. It's like, yeah. people, you know, I, I said this on the podcast Sunday. It's like people are like, oh, you don't bet that much on the Pro Bowl. It's like, well, you shouldn't bet that much on the side of the Super Bowl either because you have yeah. no edge like yeah. at this point in the game. But but I, it's so it makes, you know, and, and that's why you know we built a prop stool PFF and we, you know, we want people to be thinking about these things because, again, like you said, the market's getting sharper and really? the and your intuition has to be on before you get into the stuff because as you said like there's so many like enumerate tricks that are being or tricks that are being played on sort of the enumerate thinking about this game but i lo i love the point that you just made i want you to like elaborate on it a little bit which is if all your bets are correlated i.e. you have no outs right like <laughs> yeah. you, you, then it's like you know, it, it's it's it, the game could snowball for you if, if all your bets really, are correlated and you're not betting uh, it in a parlay yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you know like the the fair value yeah, of that right. bet, then you're in a world yeah. of. Hurt. I think like so, there are certain ways though that are resilient. I don't see a ton of them this year. Like I for sure last year, and this ended up being a very lucky win. I will completely admit that because something happened at the end of last year's Super Bowl that you may remember or may not because it was completely out of, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't ended up not mattering except for this prop. But um, the Chiefs, by the end of this season last year, when when it was, you know, business, you know, the, 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 the um, playoffs, tough competition, 
they had completely abandoned the run. He, you know, it did not matter if they were trying to put away a lead or coming from behind. Like Mahomes was passing on like an absolute absurd number of, of downs. And so his pass attempts prop was resilient because it was like, well, if the Chiefs have a lead in this game, he's going to pass to put it away. If the Chiefs are coming from behind, he's going to be yep. just dropping back on every single snap. And so his pass attempts prop was kind of near his season average median. It was all kind of clustered. And I was like, you know what? Like there's there's enough paths to this being a winner that yep. like get his attempts over. And he threw he threw what I thought was a pick at the end of that game. And they didn't review it. And <laughs> that ended up giving him three more attempts on oh, that drive, and it got him over. Yeah. So it was a very lucky win ultimately. But like, I think you need to think of you know that type of an angle where it's like, okay, Bengals, like like a good example, like the Bengals. Um, and I, I'm against a couple of very sharp prop players in this on this one particularly. But like, I the Bengals in a, you know doing well like against uh, a, an aggressive pass rush are going to have to, in my opinion at least, they're going to have to construct some sort of screen game and they're going to utilize. And if you look at sort of how Joe Mixon has been utilized over the balance of the season, he was getting like one or two targets through like the first 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then since like they really got into the business part of the season, all of a sudden he's getting like uh, four to eight targets a mm -hmm. game. And specifically you go back to that Titans game and so the adjustments that Zach, made in that one mm -hmm. if he did make an adjustment or if joe burrow did it himself who knows but they targeted mixon an absurd number of times like he got like seven targets ended up with six catches and so i think realistically expecting him to be a meaningful part of the receiving game or the passing game is fair and that again kind of goes to well what if like the offensive line is completely falling apart yeah. like the screen game makes sense yep. like what if the offensive line is doing well and you know they, they, like like how do how do they go about you know, running their offense in general. And uh, Mixon's going to be on the field for a lot of those, you know, those meaningful downs. And so, you know, I, I think his receiving props, receptions, yards, and then overall rushing plus receiving is, is a reasonable uh, fair play. But I'd have, I haven't I haven't done much else. Yeah, that, that one's, that one's interesting because the they really do go with Samaj P. Ryan in the sort of third down behind role. And so that, like... You know, that's sort of like a hedge against the Rams blowing them out, basically, right? Because, yeah. you know, but you're, you are right. The, the interesting thing I, I, I'm thinking about is the carry props, especially for Mixon. It's like 16 and a half or something. And I personally believe the first team to 10 design runs loses this game. Like, and if you are, if you're rooting for the Rams or for the Bengals and you see Akers or, or Mixon with the ball in first and 10, it's yeah. a sigh of relief, right? I, like, can I just say that I love Akers unders? Yeah. Everything that we've seen it's impress so the impressiveness of him coming back from an achilles injury yes. and the impressiveness of his play are different <laughs> yeah. his pro play has not been impressive it is impressive that he is playing period mm -hmm. the number the markets moved away from us i will say us because i that was a bet that was a, probably the first prop that i made the market has moved away from us on that one you know it opened in the uh, superbook at 68 and a half it's 64, 63 and a half on Dra DraftKings had him at 62 and a half. It's not 63 and a half for whatever that's worth. A yard's not worth that much, but it's, it's moved away. And I think the reason is, is like the Rams will commit to the run. Like we know this, both teams, both teams are terrible running the ball and both teams commit to it. By, and I have no idea why. Sony, Sony season. But the Bengals, 
The Bengals against the run on defense early downs are 26th in EPA allowed. The, the, the tricky thing is, is they're still giving up negative .07 EPA on early down yeah. runs. So, like, that to me is the leak in, like, I can see the Bengals being successful, even though Sony Michelle has a or, – sorry, or, or Cam Akers has a good game because they're sort of, like, enticing them. Every time – like, look, I have a mad respect for Stafford at this point. When you take the ball out of his hands and you, or a Cooper Cup, if you take the ball out of their hands, I'm nervous. Like, you know, yeah. I, it's it's strange. But I, I do think Akers is going to get a lot of carries. Can we talk about a prop that really matters? Okay. You know what this is. The only prop that really matters. The anthem. Huh? It's the anthem. The anthem syndicate. Let me see if, I got, let me see if I got the uh, inside information. Live in person. So, um, is it? can we get a line check here? I think it's 95 still. But it's still it's 95. Super okay. juicy to be over. So 95, and this is interesting. So last year, uh, everyone thought it was going to go under. It was set at what was it, like a minute 57 seconds, end up being like 2.13. All it took was a little bit of Googling <laughs> to figure out that that was a fucking lock of the century, okay? Um, I've done some analysis. Okay. So Mickey Guyton, do you know anything about her? It's 100 seconds on bet online. Oh, over is minus 130. Oh, buddy. Okay. All right. Let me talk you through this. You know who Mickey Guyton is? Country music singer. Country music singer. Exactly. Previous country music female singers to sing the national anthem. Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood. Kelly Clarkson came in at 134. Wow. Okay. Carrie Underwood, 143. Mickey Guyton sang the national anthem earlier this year. Do you want to gander a guess at what she rang in at Ooh, i saw one that was like the capital performance is that the one you're referring to yes it was low very low like surprisingly yeah. very low 86 seconds that's wild now pick- i watched this with a, a cunning eye sure did not appear now she she sang out the the notes on the end that's obviously one thing you look for are they going to try and drag that out she did that in this one Okay. And still 86. And still 86. Um, now, I think there's a few things. People looking at last year going, oh, the over went way over. People are going to bet the over. There was a reason. It was two it was people. Duet. Yep. 100% agreed. Okay. Idiots. Um, <laughs> and there is a history here of if you look at the distribution of anthem lengths, female country music singers are by far the quickest of any of that group. That is my analysis. I'm curious if you have anything to add. <laughs> I well, I saw the same. I saw the same uh, performance you saw, and I came to the same conclusions, which were, I don't understand why there's oversteam. <laughs> like, it, like I didn't see, I didn't see anything in that performance. Will we be that buying like, a house in Cabo thanks to the <laughs> national anthem? Tune in. I I will also say that. Um, Three years in a row now, we've had inside information on this, and we've hit people hard enough that it's very, very tough for me to get a bet down on this. So it's not going to be paying for me for a house in Cabo. <laughs> I can tell you that. Have you, you received? Can, you can shear a a bunch of times. You can, can skin you it say, once. Can you say whether you have received the inside information yet? It's a little early in the week. I, I have I think. Yeah, it's a little early in the week. We're here in Los Angeles. I brought my detectors, uh, detectives kit. We brought uh, multiple people. We brought multiple people here. We have resources. So this is 
Uh, this has been the Tuesday edition of The Forecast. I encourage you all to tune in on Thursday to find out more about how the Anthem Syndicate is feeling. Drew, um, pimp your great stuff because you do a ton of awesome oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, check, you, you can find it all at whale underscore capper on Twitter. Um, the Deep Dive Podcast, which I do with Andy, is, uh, you know, in my opinion at least, the perfect handshake to the PFF forecast. It's a great podcast. Because uh, we have very like-minded uh, philosophies, but we don't compare notes before we record. So I always get to listen to your show and kind of evaluate in a totally independent you know, way, like where were you guys? And so it's it's a check out the deep dive and um, uh, doing, doing here uh, on behalf of NBC Sports Edge as well, doing Bet the Edge, which is our daily show um, where we uh, manage to find NBA winners and um, talk to very interesting people in the gambling space. Sweet, thank you for hanging out with us. We'll see you at the Intercontinental Bar later this evening. Love you guys. Peace.